Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. My co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this on Monday, March 9th, 2020, which is the day that the final trailer for Black Widow, the movie that's supposed to launch Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, dropped. Aaron, I know typically you go out of your way not to look at trailers you don't want to be spoiled uh sometimes it depends i mean if if it's uh something i'm overly anxious about i might stay away like uh the whole infinity war wrap up and end game uh i was there for the trailers for infinity war because i was so eager but by the time end game was rolling around it, i didn't want to get any clues or answers i just wanted to have a full so it i'm really wishy-washy it depends on the okay. movie and the situation so I, I have to ask, I mean, they dropped the final trailer today, the final poster. Did we partake? Yes. Yes, I have. A couple of shows back, you were talking about the Taskmaster and your theories about that character. And there's a couple of scenes in this thing where he's wielding a bow. And all I could think of is like, I think Aaron's right about this. Well, one. no, they've got him watching video. And studying, you can kind of see the mm -hmm. dog head tilt as he's examining mm -hmm. and, and whatnot. And so, I mean, I really, really, really thought it was going to be Clint that was Taskmaster, mm -hmm. mainly because he does the kick with the shield just like Cap does. And it's like if Taskmaster had to see that, that means that, and if Cap is retired, that means that he had to actually witness that firsthand in the battle. You know, I mean, Clint was there for that. He's seen it. So it all mm. made sense. But now they've got him watching video and I was like, damn it. Uh, I thought I had a Scooby snack ready to devour and they've snatched it out of me hand. Oh, man. Okay. Well, all right. Who knows? It, maybe it will be. Maybe it won't. I don't know. I think it'd be a cool twist if it was, but I'm always wrong about this stuff. So I doubt it will happen. Well, all right, uh, well, moving on to the next bit of news. I mean, a couple of shows back, we talked at length about Scott Derrickson stepping away from Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and how he was going to stay on board as an executive producer and what that meant about this new world where, you know, we've got these locked-in release dates with films that have to interact with limited series over at Disney+. And so how thrilling was it on February 5th to learn that Marvel's way of solving this situation, you know, that, that he needed a director for Multiverse of Bandwidth was to reach out to Sam Raimi. Yeah. At that point, I thought the Sam Raimi thing, I was, I was not going to get my hopes up. I love Sam Raimi as a director. He did a fantastic job with the Spider-Man movies. Mm -hmm. I thought it was just a rumor and speculation wasn't going to get my hopes up. Then John Favreau's chef show comes out and who's on the show mm -hmm. all of a sudden, but Sam Raimi. Now, normally I wouldn't think anything of that, but he had Bill Burr on the, the stand-up comedian in the last season. I'm like, why in the heck would they bring this guy on? I mean, he's a fine comedian and all, but I don't see the connection. Then all of a sudden he shows up as a, a side character in Mandalorian. And I'm like, ah, you know what? They're filming stuff. And John goes, hey, I'm hungry. Let's go in the kitchen. And then they film an episode and, and, you know, have lunch and then they go back to filming Mandalorian or whatever it is. So as soon as I saw Sam Raimi on chef, the chef show there on Netflix, this new season here, mm -hmm. I was like, oh my goodness, it's true. He's going to be directing Dr. Strange. And I started getting really excited. So yeah, I'm all on board. I can't wait. How do you think Sam's going to use his car? Do you, I mean, it's going to make an appearance, right? 
It has to. I, th- I think has it has to. to as well. So that's what I'm going to mm. be looking for. Eagle-eyed Sam Raimi fans will be watching for an, a, a cameo from his car and the chin, mm. Bruce Campbell. It's interesting you, you bring that up because supposedly in Oz the Great and Powerful, it was difficult to fold both of those things right. in. You know, Bruce and his car. But they found a way. I, didn't they like deconstruct the car and make it into a coach of some kind? And... I want to say Bruce actually wound up being like the guard at the Emerald City that got wailed on that finally gave way and allowed them to bring the coach into the, which was, again, all the heroes were hidden away inside. Yeah. But yeah, I have to admit, it's going to be interesting to see where it pops up in the multiverse of madness. And moving on to the next bit of news that was happened on February 5th, on February 25th, Bob Chapek replaced Bob Iger as the CEO of the Walt Disney Company. And this happened quickly, folks, very quickly, I, you know, to the point that when it was announced, Disney couldn't reveal who the new head of Parks Experience and Products, the division that Chapek had been in charge of, was because they, they hadn't selected one yet. So Bob is still himself dealing, you know, and we're talking Bob Chapek, not Bob Iger, still dealing with this news, sort of coming up to speed. Iger's going to stay on in an executive chairman position. He's going to be dealing largely with creative affairs, which that's a lot of corporate speak that I don't necessarily understand. He will be the shepherd guiding the new lamb through the pasture, I think, is what it's going to be. Well, it's it turned into a pretty tough pasture real fast. The last Disney Dish episode between you and Len is chock full of goodness about all the things I was not aware of about. Mm-hmm. It sounds nice and rosy. The guy got a pretty mm-hmm. cushy gig. And then you and yep. Len spit out a good, you know, 10 or 15 minutes of all the woes of the world that suddenly crept up like... <laughs> There's a a virus going around that some people are concerned about. Let's not panic. Yeah. Uh, how many parks have shut down? Disney parks specifically have shut down. Just today, Shanghai, which had closed back on January 28th, announced that it was reopening, sort of. What it said is that the restaurant row in the stores outside of the theme park, I believe it's called Disney Town. Mm-hmm. They're reopening. The theme park itself remains shuttered, especially on the heels of what happened today. Wall Street had its worst day in over a decade. The S&P 500 dropped by 7.6%. I want to reassure people, let's start right off. Anything that's under construction right now, whether it's, for example, phase one of the Avengers Campus, the Spider-Man attraction, that's going to open. Likewise, Guardians of the Galaxy, Cosmic Rewind. But the closure of Shanghai Disneyland, the closure of Hong Kong, the two Tokyo parks going down supposedly just till uh, March 15th, that's had an effect on the company's cash flow. But remember, back in 2008, during that financial correction, Disney dealing with the same sort of cash flows issues put a lot of high-priced, big-ticket items on hold. Uh, that's uh, Hyperion Wharf, uh, which was supposed to be the original replacement for Pleasure Island. Uh, that fell off the table. Uh, the Monsters, Inc. Scream Coaster for Disney Hollywood Studios. I mean, that that had been accidentally revealed to, to cast members on the, the, the Walt Disney World portal and, and got pulled down, but that project fell off the table. And 
What I, I learned today, basically, is that the Cherry Tree Lane project for the United Kingdom Pavilion at Epcot, that looks like it just went on hold and looks like phase two of the Avengers Campus in Anaheim, which was supposed to feature that Quinjet adventure that you and I have talked about, Aaron. Mm -hmm. That looks like right now that's going to be put on ice for a bit as well. Hopefully then the, the financial markets will, you know, stabilize and pull back to something approaching normal. Otherwise, we can look forward to bubble land coming soon where you just jump into <laughs> a giant inflatable ball and kind of work your way like a hamster through the Magic Kingdom. And <sighs> you're, you're really not wrong. Uh, just last week, the Wall Street Journal did an article about, you know, how, for example, uh, Captain America and Superman came on the stage when, you know, the world was dealing with conflicts in the 30s and the 40s. And, mm -hmm. But now Marvel Comics is launching a new team of superheroes representing England, Scotland, Northern Ireland, and Wales. Their mission is to see if they can get along peaceably <laughs> after, <laughs> well, again, I've been to enough family reunions. I mean, we're all, you know, the hills are basically from the British Isles, and already this ain't going to work. But yes, their mission is to see if they can get along peaceably after Britain's exit from the European Union and defeat the Skrulls, uh, an extraterrestrial race of shapeshifters from the planet, planet Skrullos. So yes, it's a Brexit-themed comic book arc. The Irish are going to throw potatoes at the Skrull. <laughs> going to have shots of rye and have a wee nap. <laughs> Well, well, speaking of, of shots, uh, Vin Diesel is out doing press right now for his next movie, Bloodshot. Mm -hmm, yeah. Just did an interview with comicbooks.com and accidentally let slip some very interesting info about Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, really? Is he in it? Well. Well, I guess that would be as Groot then, right? Well, that's the thing. So the, here's the quote. Taika Watiti talked to me about how Thor will incorporate some Guardians of the Galaxy, which will be very interesting. And he says, nobody knows, so, so maybe I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> but, but then, uh, when pressed about his character in Guardians, I mean, yeah, face it, we've seen regular Groot, we've seen baby Groot, we've even seen teen Groot in Infinity Wars. And so, you know, the, the, the reporter asked him, well, what's the next evolution of your character for Guardians? And he says, I have only two words about that character, and that is Alpha Groot. Hmm. Which used to be my favorite cereal as a kid. You know, that's a big bowl of alpha group. Well, it stayed crunchy in milk. <laughs> <laughs> Oy. Uh, Tastes like real tree bark. <laughs> that's right. Lots of fiber. So I, 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 this is what I love about actors. You wind them up and they talk and they say things they probably shouldn't. But since we're talking about films that are in the future, so let's do an update on Spider-Man 3. Okay. Director John Watts is supposedly finaling the script, which uh, it makes sense because this Columbia Pictures production has to begin shooting this summer. Because remember, it's got that locked in release date of July 16th, 2021. But the other thing that's kind of breathing down the neck of, well, this film and many others in Hollywood is there's, there's a writer's strike looming. Oh, no, not this again. Yeah. Well, Do you remember I, I, how bad TV got back when we had our last writer's strike? Because the repercussions are not the day that the strike happens. It's like TV mm -hmm. and, and movies, the six to nine months to a year after that, that all sucked. 
No, you're not wrong. I mean, they remember the last strike in 2007, 2008 ran for a hundred days. Yeah. And so they're frantically rushing to sort of lock the script and get going. So <laughs> reflecting the conditions that, that John Watts is under, I, I think the working title of the film will, will amuse you, Aaron, as well as it, it, uh, any Seinfeld fans out there. The working title is Serenity Now. Do you know that that's been like the running gag for all three movies? Has it really? Yeah, they've they've used a Seinfeld name. What were they called? In the first Spider-Man Homecoming, they went by the secret title Summer of George. And then <laughs> and then Far From Home was under the secret title uh-huh. The Fall of George. <laughs> so oh. so now the third one is Serenity Now, which completes the Constanza trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's great! That's great. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Given what what went on with Wall Street today, as well, consider continuing concerns about the the coronavirus. I'm thinking we all could use a little serenity right now, but I I guess that isn't going to happen anytime soon. But you know, it is soon. Uh, the release date of Black Widow, and uh, Aaron and I were just a second ago talking about the final trailer of the poster, which continues to hype that Black Widow. Uh, it's previously announced release date. Uh, May 1st. Do you think it's going to stick? Because we know that Bond has moved. Or is that coming up? Yep. Have I jumped the gun? You have jumped the gun, but but in a, a, a glorious athletic way. Well, let's so, put that bullet back and cock it a little bit later and get to a commercial break. As Aaron just said, Bond 25, No Time to Die, was originally supposed to open in North America on April 10th. That Easter weekend, I mean, again, an absolutely killer time to release beautiful opening weekend. Out ahead of that, that was going to be a uh, worldwide press junket. In fact, Saturday Night Live, just this past weekend, Aaron, they had Daniel Craig lined up as the host. Because, again, that was supposed to feed directly into right. No Time to Die opening I've in, been looking in early forward April. to that movie, too, and I'm really, really disappointed that it's been moved. But here's the thing. China was a big part of their release plan. Basically, the borders had closed there. I mean, and coupled with the fact that China's 70,000 theaters have closed? Oh, don't get me wrong. I understand the logic. I'm just a greedy person. I'm selfish. That's all there is to it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, a lot of us were looking forward to this film. But now, out of an abundance of caution, the release date of Bond 25 has, well, it, it's going to open in theaters in the UK on November 12th, and then we'll have to wait here in the States mm. till November 25th. But again, that's the Thanksgiving weekend. So the Sony, which is releasing the film here in the States, and Universal, uh, which is handling uh, No Time to Die Overseas, this is the, the weekend they settle on. They're going to swap Easter for Thanksgiving. And is that going to interfere with what Disney has got lined up for this holiday season? Because it seems like a crowded area to throw. I mean, Bond uh. is a heavyweight. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. He doesn't have to bite an ear off to win a match. Well, <laughs> you know, no, no you're, not, you're not wrong. I mean, that's, in fact, just this past weekend, Onward went out into theaters. Mm-hmm. It's opening weekend. It was $40 million here in North America, which when you compare that to the $120 million that Toy Story 4 did you know, last June, and then the June before that, the $182 million, that Incredibles did. Now, I, I, I want to also point out here that it's honestly not fair to compare the release date 
of a, a family-friendly film that's sent out into theaters in March when the kids are, are largely in school to, you know, something that comes out in June when summer vacation has begun. I mean, it's, it's kind of an apples and oranges situation. Plus, I understand that Onward has one of the finest books to have ever come out <laughs> about a film ever. Like, bar none, if you like reading, if your eyeballs enjoy words and pictures coming into them, this is the finest book it will set you on a state of ecstasy that you have yet to know in your existence it's like chasing the dragon it is that good i've heard okay <laughs> i was about to say so the the, the check showed up from true <laughs> you know, so all right well that, that's nice to hear I'm, I'm waiting on my check but that's okay also i, I just to sort of double back to onward onward brand new original franchise versus Toy Story 4, Incredibles 2, highly anticipated sequels. It's a different metric. But that said, $40 million, uh, is still a relatively soft weekend for a Pixar film, especially when you consider that it made only $28 uh, million in all of the overseas territories that Onward opened up. And, and one of the reasons the gross is as lower as it is, Aaron, is that on Sunday, Italy sh suddenly shut down all of its movie theaters as well. Honestly, there's a lot of folks, given what just happened, with no time to die. It's like, well, okay, so Disney's going to do that with Black Widow, right? Because this is this highly anticipated film, the first Marvel superhero movie to be built around a female character, and surely they're going to do something to protect their investment. I mean, this is the first film of the, you know, the, the phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They're going to move it, right? And... The answer I got from folks at Disney basically was, we can't. We have, you know, you know. The, Too much clogging up the way we'll end up competing with ourselves. Is that the problem? In a nutshell, I mean, face it, you've got Disney, you've got Walt Disney Animation Studios. You've got Pixar Animation Studios. You've got Lucasfilm. You've got Marvel and you've got 20th Century. Disney has basically pivoted from onward and is now getting ready to launch Mulan. $200 million uh, remake of the, you know, hand-drawn classic from 1998. Comes out in theaters on March 27th. But Disney had actually put this thing in production and made an authentic, you know, an effort to make this as authentically Chinese as possible. Because they anticipated that if there's ever a film we release in China that's going to be a smash hit blockbuster, it's going to be Mulan. And now here they are in this space where, crap, China has closed down all of its theaters. We can open this thing up in the States. We don't know when Mulan, you know, is going to air in China. What Disney has done in order to try to give everybody their appropriate time in the spotlight. And we've talked about how Disney promotes movies. I mean, there's, there's kind of a formula. I mean, you know, for example, I always think it's funny on the morning that, you know, you see a Disney film being promoted on Good Morning America, you can pretty much guarantee that day that when you turn on Alive with Kelly and Ryan, that very same performer that was on the Good Morning America has just hopped in a town car and gone up the street to do this show. And then two hours later, they're on The View. And then sometime in the next day or so, they will pop up on Kimmel. I mean, there is this actual food chain to the way Disney does things. And now it's it's kind of a a different situation, you know, because there are, you know, trying to make sure that everybody gets 
their moment in their sun. That three weeks of clear box office time. Sometimes it's a token effort. I mean, Mulan comes out on, on March 27th. April 3rd is when The New Mutants comes out. Oh, man. I forgot about New Mutants. That thing is yeah. cursed. It's cursed, I well, say. Have you seen the new ads? Because they're definitely working the you like superheroes and horror film Venn diagram. They're fairly confident that there is no overlap between Mulan and the audience that would go to New Mutants. And I, I actually push back on that. It's like, well, Mulan is the first of these Disney live action reboots to get a PG-13 rating. Mm -hmm. And in fact, if you look at uh, why it got the PG-13 rating, it's, it actually says for sequences of violence. Mm. Evidently, the battle scenes in this thing are pretty intense. So right. if people are going to a superhero horror film, and given the trailers really do play up the battle scenes in Mulan, again, I, I'm not so sure about that. Over. I think that is kind of been proven over and over again, that violence in cartoon form is much more acceptable. I mean, you know, if you think from all the Acme anvils uh, dropped on heads, we laughed at as kids, mm -hmm. but today as grownups, Peter Griffin mm -hmm. punches Lois and we laugh at that. But if you had a live action person punch his wife yep. on TV, we would be writing letters saying, how dare you? And this is true. And it's a, it's totally hypocritical to laugh at one and, and condemn another. So I think in this instance from for Mulan, the mm -hmm. shift in rating seems almost natural and not totally surprising. That's an interesting observation. Now, again, uh, to jump to May 1st, and we've got Black Widow. Disney deliberately put four weeks between the release of Mulan and Black Widow with the hope that success of the first film uh, would then maybe inspire people to buy a ticket for a second film, action adventure built around a strong female character. Likewise, because Disney is hoping that Black Widow will become another box office phenomenon like Black Panther did back in early 2018. They also put four weeks between the release of Black Widow and Disney's next film, which is Artemis Fowl. That opens in theaters in May 29th and that's been Disney's long in development attempt at kind of a Harry Potter. I mean, it's based on a series of books that Disney published through, I want to say Miramax, the, the publishing division, back when Disney was in bed with the Weinsteins. After that comes Soul, that's uh, June 19th. Very next film to come up, July 3rd, is Free Guy. Uh, that's that Ryan Reynolds oh, yeah. gaming comedy adventure. Yeah. Okay, uh, 20th century production. Disney and Marvel are so eager to get Ryan Reynolds to, and I mean, he's, he's already basically committed to Deadpool 3, mm -hmm. but they really, really, really want it to happen. So it's one of these things where look for Free Guy to get lots of love, a big promotional push, because it's all about keeping Ryan Reynolds happy right now and making sure he shows up to do Deadpool 3. Mm. On the other hand, July 17th, we have a Bob's Burgers feature film is scheduled, but you mentioned the, the author of that wonderful Onward book, Drew Taylor. He was pointing out that at this point, we don't have, we haven't had a, not a little lot of teaser trailer. We haven't had a trailer of any kind. Right. And again, the only thing that's out there is a poster that may be fan-made. So Drew's of the, of the opinion that Bob's Burgers is going to be released theatrically, but not necessarily the summer that it's probably has been pushed. 
which isn't necessarily a bad thing because come July 24th, we have the Jungle Cruise movie, which Disney is hoping this Dwayne Johnson, Emily Blunt thing becomes the studio's next Pirates of the Caribbean, that it becomes a full-fledged franchise and that they can then take Emily's character and Dwayne's character and fold them into the attraction and move lots of merch and that sort of thing. But then we get to the, it's not our movie, but we still need to succeed situation. Okay. This is July 31st and this is Morbius. It's Marvel Entertainment went to Disney and it's like, look, this is technically our film. I mean, it's being made by Columbia, but you know, it's, it's also going out under the Marvel Entertainment banner. This is them officially getting started with bumping out the borders of Sony's Spider-Verse. By the way, that J.K. Simmons cameo as J. Jonah Jameson is happening. Well, that's fine. J.K. is always welcome in anything. I agree. I, you know, just, you know, I just, I hope it's, it's a little lengthier than the last time. Don't get me wrong. It was a, a wonderful exclamation point at the end of the movie, but sure. I want some more scenery chewing, please. Yes. So this is a Columbia movie, but again... Marvel Entertainment has financial participation, so it's like that money will eventually funnel back to Disney. So it's like we have to support this in some way. So as I was mentioning, the whole Good Morning America uh, live with Kelly and Ryan, expect to see the folks from Morbius turning up there. That's how Disney will support, but at the same time, not necessarily cut off support to the Jungle Cruise, which... You know, when Morbius is coming into theaters, Disney's helping for a second big weekend. Then in August, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the six episodes there start to air. This is where it's a very different publicity animal because we have to now pivot from making sure people go to movie theaters and see our stuff to we have to make sure that people are subscribed to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier for the six episodes. The first episode is supposed to drop on August 28th. And then the final episode is supposed to drop on October 6th. And then just roughly four weeks after that is when the Eternals arrives in theaters. And uh, by the way, uh, Anthony Mackie mm -hmm. uh, was just uh, out doing interviews today and was talking about the fact that don't expect Falcon and the Winter Soldier to have a movie feel. It's a very, it's a different animal. Right. As well, it should be. I mean, you know, Mandalorian had its own vibe as well that was very well paced out and I'm, I'm kind of hoping that they do the same, but just a different vibe. Cause I, you know, Mandalorian had a little bit of a Western samurai type feel to it mm -hmm. in the star Wars skin. And I, I hope mm -hmm. this goes more spy thriller genre, like one of those intense political thrillers. I'm totally on board with you. I love those sorts of movies. Speaking of, it's interesting to bring up Mandalorian season two finished up shooting just this past week. As Falcon and the Winter Soldier is ending on Disney Plus, that's when Mandalorian season two begins. It's starting in October, this time around rather than November. Have you seen how they do the special effects for Mandalorian? I have seen it. I don't understand it. I thought I was I thought I was a smart guy. I've I've followed, you know, special effects production my entire life. And was it Variety or I forget who did the feature piece about right. it, but it it's like black magic. Yeah. I look at it and it's sort of like, 
you can do that now? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, now that I know how they do that, I expect mm-hmm. so much more from them in the future. Because oh, it's like, geez. you just got to program it in Unreal Engine. You know, if you want a volcano, you just grab the volcano out of the library with your pointer. You drop it in the background, you click it, and it shoots lava, and you're done. So, yeah, I mean, if you can do it that quick, that fast, capture it all in camera then you better up the game. And that's what one thing that John Favreau had said about the whole process was once mm-hmm. they started learning, you know, what you can do with it, because they were putting in, you know, it's it's not just that you're getting the background in there, but they were putting in like sparks from the spaceship and whatnot. So you can kind of build mm-hmm. part of a set. And then in the background, mm-hmm. things that lighting effects that you just couldn't do before, you know, if it was just a green screen, you had to figure it all out later, but now it's just there in camera and it's amazing. No, absolutely. But it just it is just stunning to watch and just they can pull off that look on a set. But that's what you I know, want, the, Jim, the, is like I want that I want all that tech thrown exactly mm-hmm. over to Marvel. Like as soon as Mandalorian mm-hmm. wrapped up shooting, Anthony Mackie had better be stepping foot on that and Stan <laughs> Sebastian better be right freaking behind him. Getting ready to okay. shoot on the next day with some amazing stuff that's, you know, I mean, I know they're more earthbound and whatnot. Maybe we should reserve this for Guardians of the Galaxy or something else that we want to be mm-hmm. super spectacular. But they've got amazing technology where they should be able to just let their imaginations go completely untethered. Well, here's hoping because it, it, it is stunning tech. I mean, and 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 again, when you think about how epic cinematic like you know yeah. that the, the mandalorian was that you know they they do these great vistas and you know they're traveling great distances and you know and so many different environments and the fact that that's how they pulled it off it's yep. like holy cow yeah okay well uh, to pivot now to uh september of this year we have the kingsman being released oh that's and fun this is the prequel to Kingsman, the Secret Service from 2015, and Kingsman, the Golden Circle from 2017. And what I was basically told is that from a Disney Plus point of view, the fact that, you know, now there are, are you know, there'll be three Kingsman films, and hopefully this will give them an intellectual property that they can either do as a limited series or they can continue every two years or so with a brand new movie or that sort of thing. So this is really about making sure that there is different product in the silo that will eventually be fed into Disney plus that this will give 20th century Fox its own set of IPs that it it can uh, develop. In fact, what's kind of interesting is on October 9th, uh, we have death of the Nile being released. And this is of course the sequel to 20th century's 2017 murder on the Orient express. And Given that Agatha Christie wrote 33 novels that featured Hercule Poirot, mm-hmm. they're rather hoping that Kenneth Branagh will come back every two years and, and do another one of these. And again, it'll go, go, you know, it'll have a theatrical lease, but it could also go on to Disney+. Plus. Oh, oh, uh, we, we skipped over October 2nd. Mm. That's when Venom 2 is uh, coming out. And again, right. Marvel Entertainment has a limited financial participation. Which, by the way, you'd heard that Tom Holland is doing a cameo, and you are not wrong. It just seems like they've only released a photograph. Actually, I think Tom mm-hmm. Hardy tweeted a photograph of Woody Harrelson, mm-hmm. 
And mm-hmm. that so far has been the only publicity I've been aware of for Venom. I have not okay. seen any trailers. I've seen a whole slew of fan art, and it's coming out at the end of the, not even really the end of the year, like the last you know quarter of the year. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. not that far away, man. But it seems yeah. like they've only just started filming. So, I mean, is production that tight? Do they have the effects down um, that much? Have Did they do previs like two years ago? What's going on, man? I don't understand. Supposedly the trailer is supposed to drop in front of Black Widow, or at least a teaser. And then later this summer, I mean, remember, this is the October 2nd when it's dropping. So the, the, we are six months out at this point. So teaser, then trailer. And they stuck to the uh, original Venom business plan. They are dropping into theaters three and four weeks out from, from of Halloween. And, you know, they're going to ride, again, that sort of superhero horror movie audience uh, as far as they can go. Hmm. So, yeah, look for that shortly. And then, of course, uh, November 6th, we have The Eternals. And this is a crucial movie for Phase 4, which is going to push out into the more cosmic realm establishing the style and the tone for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings and likewise Doctor Strange and Multiverse of the Madness. And it's hard not to feel bad for Rhea and the Last Dragon. Uh, This is is Walt Disney. That is Walt Disney Animation Studios holiday film for 2020. That's arriving at theaters Thanksgiving. This is the bullet point as to how this, this film is described, Aaron. It is... A mix of classic Disney storytelling and kung fu action. Oh, that sounds like Christmas. <laughs> Don't you remember every Christmas Eve when you would do your kung fu to get your presents? That's right. I remember well, that's my again, routine. Gonna, that's right. I had to punch my brother in the throat to get my stocking. Right. I got so, a Nintendo. Um, Yay! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that supposedly one of the reasons that Disney put this film in development was that, again, you know, they have a long-term goal here of uh, increasing Asian audiences' appetites for the company's intellectual property, which long-range, the idea is that, you know, it would then compel consumers who live in that part of the world to maybe book a vacation package to Shanghai Disneyland or Hong Kong Disneyland. And then finally, Mm. come December 18th, we have Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, which initially Disney's plan was that they were going to do a lot of promotion for West Side Story because, of course, they wanted Stephen happy while he was directing Indiana Jones uh, 5. But then on February 26th, first Spielberg announced he would no longer be directing Indy 5, and then we learned that James Mangold of of Ford versus Ferrari and Logan would be. But Spielberg, like Bob Iger, isn't leaving. He's not directing, but he's taken what he calls a hands-on producer position, largely because Disney's going to need him to be doing a lot of publicity out ahead of Indiana Jones 5, so people you know, will embrace James Mangold as the new director and all that. They're doing as big, if not bigger, campaign now to promote West Side Story to keep Stephen happy so that come June and July of 2021, which again, remember, that's when Indy 5 is still scheduled to, to arrive in theaters. Stephen will, <laughs> he'll be on Good Morning America. He'll be on live with Kelly and, and Ryan, you know, talking about how 
this was the right thing to do, to hand the, the, the film off to James Mangold. So that's the 16 films that Disney has locked and loaded behind Onward. Each of these with their own promotional challenges, their own reasons for those specific release dates and that sort of thing. So, And these things are stacked up like jumbo jets at O'Hare. I'm sure there have been conversations at Disney and Marvel about what can we do with Black Widow? And the, and the hard reality is we can't. We can't do anything. Because if we move it, that means we have to move it Eternals. And that means we have to, if we move Eternals, that means we have to do something with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and, you know, and just this, this ripple effect. So it's just sort of like, look, we have to tough it out. And if it means that, you know, because Black Widow doesn't get to open in China or it doesn't get to own in, in, open in Italy, we just have to suck it up. We just have to, you know, understand that it's not going to be a billion dollar earner. And it's not because it's a bad movie. You know, it's because the audience wasn't allowed to go into the theater, mm-hmm. you know, because of COVID-19. So it's kind of an uncertain time and it's impacting all aspects of our lives, including uh, how we get our entertainment. And, uh, you know, maybe not the most happy or hopeful note to end this week's show on, but hopefully this will give you a, a little context as to why Black Widow isn't pulling a, a No Time to Die. Here's hoping come May 1st, we are all allowed to actually get out in theaters, which, face it, is something that people in China and Italy can't do right now. It may so. actually help out that Bond got out of the way, because uh, last time I was talking about how the schedule of, uh, you know, Bond first and then another spy movie right after that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. some people are like, no, no, I've already had my fill of spy movie. I'm going to go over here for some romantic comedy sorbet. <laughs> you know what I mean? So maybe if, if Bond stepping out of the way allows people to let uh, Scarlet be your action fill, uh, mm-hmm. and then Bond later on in the year will be a nice uh, refresher. Universal is handling Bond overseas. So when Sony decided to pull, you know, that, that Sony, I guess, was the, the senior partner here and just said, oh, look, we're going to pull it, we're going to push it to November. Universal, you know, just looked at, well, wait a minute. We were holding Trolls World Tour. We were releasing that the weekend after Easter, you know, coming into theaters on a Friday, uh, April 17th. And it's like, Bond just vacated April 10th, the Easter weekend, when, when families are looking for entertainment. And they couldn't move fast enough to shift Trolls World Tour into that spot. So don't be surprised if going into the rest of the year, you know, we see other studios other than Disney jockeying stuff around. I mean, Disney, again, because of that 747, you know, the stacked up planes analogy, they, they have no choice. They, they are locked into this pattern. They can't change it. But other, other studios may be moving and grooving out there. So, And speaking of moving and grooving, if you, you need something else to listen to while you're, you're out, you know, in fact, I'm always fascinated that people talk about how they'll listen to our podcast, Aaron, mm-hmm. while they're, they're jogging. Right, things that we're known for. Quite often <laughs> is, uh, hey, Aaron, aren't you that guy that likes to jog? And I say, yeah, I'm also known for liking Spider-Man and jogging. Yeah, right up there at the top of that list. <laughs> like I've always joked that, you know, again, if someone were willing to drag a box of donuts just out of reach, I would, in fact, jog. But if you're looking for other things to listen to, you're out for a run. 
We have Disney Dish with Len Testa. We have Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor. We have Looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Z. We have Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse. And we have I Want That with Michelle Valladolid. So uh, tell you what, folks, if you could do Aaron and I a favor and head over to iTunes and rate and recommend this show. And if you really, really, really like what you heard, uh, if you could head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, uh, that help keeps the lights on. And uh, you can find us over at Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook at Jim Hill Media News. And I guess, Aaron, that that's going to do it for now. Wash your hands and quit touching your face. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay.